1: not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did.
0: I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. I've often believed that a lot of times we feel stress in our life because we're operating outside of what God has graced us to do. And so for me, that's always been just an indicator that I've taken on more than I should. Even though I have a lot on my plate, I believe that God has graced me to do it
2: all. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. This week's guests are two women who are charting new territory in faith-based arenas. Nona Jones, who leads faith-based partnerships at Facebook, and pastor and author Alex Seeley. Up first, as a young girl, Nona Jones faced years of trauma and abuse at the hands of a caregiver. Through a friend, she found a community of believers and felt, for the first time, that she had value. As Nona grew up and found success in her career, the trauma she experienced long ago began to resurface, causing her to lose her footing as she opened up about what she'd experienced. Nona found healing from her past wounds and was on her way to a better place emotionally when, out of the blue, an opportunity came her way she could never have imagined to reach others with the same good news that had changed her life. My name is Nona Jones
0: and I am a speaker, preacher, I'm an author, I am a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a pastor's wife. I also lead faith-based partnerships at Facebook. I was born in the summer of 1982, and I was born to parents who had been married for about 15 years. My father wanted to be a dad throughout the marriage, but my mom didn't actually want to have children. But, you know, 15 years into their marriage, she found out she was pregnant, and my father was excited, but she was actually really disappointed, and she cried. She didn't want to have a child, and so, to make matters worse, about halfway through the pregnancy, my father started to have stomach pain. And he went to the doctor just to have some tests run, and uh, they diagnosed him with terminal stomach cancer, and they gave him six months to live. And so to make matters worse, my um, mom had some significant mental illness. You know, she would get really angry, just kind of bipolar type of behavior. And my father was really concerned about whether I would be able to grow up in a stable household. Uh, He fought really, really hard um, against that diagnosis, and he actually lived until about two months shy of my second birthday. After his funeral, my mom moved us uh, to the other side of the country. She had met a guy and he promised to take care of her and me. But uh, after we got there, the relationship basically unraveled. And so she was with me and uh, in this new place. And so she basically had like a, a sequence of boyfriends that came in and out of her life and in and out of my life. She met a guy who became her live-in boyfriend, and he started to just do really inappropriate things that made me uncomfortable, even at that young age. And so uh, one day my mom came to me and she told me she had to go back to New Jersey, where we were from, because her sister passed away. And she was gonna leave me in his care. And I told her, I said, Mom, I would prefer to go with you, please take me with you. She said that we didn't have the money to afford for me to go with her, so she was gonna have to leave me for a few days. And that night, um, I remember I locked my bedroom door because, of course, I, I just wasn't comfortable with this guy. And I learned that a straightened wire hanger could actually pick the lock that night. And so um, that was the first time I was about five years old where he abused me sexually. And um, I remember when my mom came back, you know, I didn't even want to you know, look her in the eye because I, I felt like, you know, she could see it in my eye. And he even told me, he was like, you better not say anything because she'll get rid of you. If you do and so i had this fear inside of me and he continued to abuse me multiple times and then one day i told my mom i i was so scared but i mean i just felt like i had to say something because the the pain of what he did and the pain of how i felt uh even if she got rid of me i was like well at least she'll know and so i told her and she actually had him arrested and i was so grateful i was like all right this is over and then she took me out on the back porch around the time of his release and she asked me, you know, well, what would you think about him coming back? And I was like, I don't want him to come back. And she basically said that we needed money in the house and she was the adult and so she was making the decision. And she ended up taking me with her to the jail to pick him up and bring him back. So the abuse basically continued, like, shortly after he got back um, and I learned not to say anything because I felt like I'd already said something and it didn't matter. And so that was between the ages of about 5 and 11. Throughout elementary school, I had always been the kid that was acting out. I was labeled a problem child. People said that I had learning disabilities. And the reason really was I was acting out because there was so much chaos at home and like I I was really responding and reacting to trauma that nobody ever asked me, why was I acting that way? They just assumed I was a bad kid. When I was in the sixth grade, a classmate of mine invited me to go to church. And I'll never forget the first time I walked in that church. Like there were people who didn't even know me, but they just hugged me and they loved me. Um, They welcomed me. They really made me feel like I belonged. And that was the first time I ever felt like I really mattered. Um, Like I was really valued. And what they didn't know is that by the time I had gotten to that church at 11, I had already attempted suicide twice. I mean, I had already tried to take my life. The first time was at nine. Um, the second time was around 10. And I even have, I tried to slip my wrist and I have this, this scar on one of my wrists that's like a constant reminder of, uh, of what I tried to do. But it's also a reminder of God's grace because um, he, he determined that my life was worth living even when I didn't see it. Part of the reason why i am so open is um, i have discovered throughout my own personal journey to freedom from that painful past that the true antidote to darkness is light and so when we carry shame um, and we don't talk about what happened to us all it does is it keeps us in bondage to our past You know, what happens to us can oftentimes shape how we see ourselves. Like trauma really changes the way you see yourself. The thing I would like to encourage other people to know is, you know, you are not what happened to you. What happened to you was a moment in time, but that's not who you are. And every single time I share it, there are people who come up to me and say, I've never told anyone. Just this morning, uh, a guy, he was doing my makeup and uh, we were just talking, you know, as, as we do. I just happened to mention to him, I was talking about just the goodness of God, and I just happened to mention my story to him, and he paused, and he said, that happened to me too. And he said, he said, I have never told anyone. He said, no one in my family knows. And he said, and the worst part of it is, it's a family friend who still is coming around the family. When I hear things like that, that's why I lend my voice to it, because there are people walking around in shame. You know, they feel like, oh, it was my fault, or maybe, maybe I did something or I said something that made them think that this is what I wanted. And, and I'm like, you know what? It's time out for shame. Like We literally have to eliminate it. So I believe that there's purpose in our pain, and I believe that God can give us beauty for ashes. Uh, we just have to be willing to admit what happened and, and allow God to use that story. It's been a journey. It's been a challenge, and it's a daily process. Like there's no point where I could say, I'm so over it. That doesn't really happen when you've been traumatized. What happens is you learn how to grow from it uh, and you learn how to live with it. But that's why I believe that the true power uh, that we reclaim in our lives from our trauma is when we acknowledge its effect on us and we begin to allow the power of God to work in our lives. I never thought I would be at Facebook. Uh, I do not have a background in technology or social media. Essentially, in 2017, I heard from God, He told me that the assignment I was in at that time, that it was over. And I was at the chief, uh, chief executive level of a statewide network of alternative schools in Florida. And these were schools for girls who had experienced trauma and who had been expelled or suspended from regular school. And so I was deeply, deeply aligned with that mission. And I really thought I would be there for the rest of my career. But God said, this assignment is over. And I was like, all right, Lord, well, if this assignment is over, then what's next? And he wouldn't tell me what was next. He simply told me to resign from that job at the end of the fiscal year, which would have been June 30th, 2017. So I met with my boss on June 30th, uh, and I gave her my letter of resignation. We met at one. And she even asked me, she was like, well, what are you going to do? Like, what's next? And I said, um, I'll tell you soon. That's all I could say. Cause I didn't want to be like, I don't know. God just told me to resign. Cause then she'll be like, okay. <laughs> so, uh, we finished talking at like 1:40, and then, uh, I was driving home and it was around two Oh five that my cell phone rang and it was an unfamiliar area code. And I was just like, okay, I'm not taking that call. I don't ever answer those calls. Uh, I think they're telemarketers and the Holy spirit said, take that call. I was like, okay, so I I answered it and the woman on the other line said, is this Nona Jones? And I said, yes. And she said, I'm calling from Facebook. And of course I was like, Facebook doesn't call people. So who is this? And she said, no, really I'm calling from Facebook. And so apparently the week before she called me, uh, Mark changed the mission of the company to focus on community building. And one of the communities that the company wanted to focus on were communities of faith. And my name had apparently been given as the person to talk to about helping the company lead that work. And the thing that's amazing is, I mean, you know, I live in Florida. The company's headquartered in California. Um, I do not have a background in tech or I'm not in any of those circles. So 25 minutes after I resigned uh, from my job in faith, Facebook just called me out of the blue. I get to work with leaders of faith, pastors, churches, Christ-centered organizations all over the world to help them use Facebook for the purposes of ministry, which is really about community building. And what we see is two out of three churches right now are either declining or plateauing in attendance. And so um, people aren't physically showing up like they used to, while at the same time, there are more than 30,000 searches every month for church online on Google. So people are looking for an online church experience, which means that people are searching for faith. They're just not necessarily coming to a building to find it. I think Gallup did a study a few years ago, um, and they asked, you know, how many people are actually going to church on the weekend. And 40% of Americans said that they're going to church on the weekend, but actual attendance is like 20%. So 80% of people are not. And so for me, my heart is really after that 80%. And I'm kind of like, all right, you know, it's it's wonderful to get people in the building. As a preacher, there's nothing more gratifying than being in a pulpit and looking out into a full audience as <laughs> you declare the word of God. It's nothing more gratifying. At the same time, you know, that's only a drop in the bucket of the people who are are in need of the Lord, but they're not going to show up to the building. The thing about discipleship, as opposed to a service, is that church was never meant to be a program if you look at the life of Jesus, like he didn't tell people, Hey guys, come see me at the temple on you know, Sunday at 11, I have this amazing series that's coming up. You know, <laughs> he, he didn't do that. He, he ministered to people wherever they were, you know, as he was out walking, he would heal people. He would pray with people. Like he, he did ministry where it needed to happen and it wasn't necessarily, you know, date time location. And so I really feel like social technology enables leaders to get back to a biblical model of church. This is the first book that I am publishing on a major scale. It's called Success from the Inside Out, and um, it's about how to rise from your past into a fulfilling future. And it's using my own story really as kind of the, the backdrop for um, the plot, which is, you know what? Significant trauma doesn't have to derail your future. Um, it really can kind of be the, the prologue to your story. And I'll tell you, like, the secret of it all, and this is the spoiler, the secret of it all is forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of those things that we don't talk about a lot, but it's it's really the key to freedom and I had to realize that uh, as long as I was holding my mom accountable and holding my abuser accountable for what happened, um, yes, what they did was wrong it was absolutely wrong, and yet I was basically tethering my life to them because I wasn't free and so what forgiveness is is it's basically realizing that somebody's on the hook for what happened. But it's you, because bitterness uh, doesn't give you peace. It actually torments you. And so that's uh, that's the spoiler. Um, there's a whole lot more <laughs> in the book, but that's really the, the, the message, which is the power of forgiveness and faith in God.
2: As Nona wraps up her time with us, she shares how Jesus Calling has impacted her success from the inside out and reflects on her journey through healing.
0: The way I heard about it is I'm like a devotional addict. <laughs> And so I usually read like three or four a year. Um, and so I came across it. I think a friend might have recommended it, but I came across it. Um, and It's just been such a tremendous blessing to my life because I think it helps you to set your mind every morning. Um, and that's what we need is we need like word to help us stay grounded. I'm reading a passage from Jesus Calling, dated July 23rd, which is my birthday. And it says, I am the light of the world, Men crawl through their lives, cursing the darkness, but all the while I am shining brightly. I desire each of my followers to be a light bearer. The Holy Spirit who lives in you can shine from your face, making me visible to people around you. Ask my spirit to live through you as you wend your way through this day. Hold my hand in joyful trust for I never leave your side. The light of my presence is shining upon you. Brighten up the world by reflecting who I am. Well, this is why I wanted to read this one because when I turned to my birthday um, and it talked about God being light, um, the biggest revelation I've ever had and the reason why I share my story is because God taught me that shame is what darkness is, and yet He is light. Light is truth, um, light is freedom, light is peace. And so when we feel like we can't go on, when we feel stressed, when we feel traumatized, it's because we're in darkness. And that's when it's our opportunity to call on the light of the world, and that is Jesus.
2: You can find Nona's book, Success from the Inside Out, at your favorite book retailer today. Stay tuned for Pastor Alex Seeley's story after a brief message about a way you can connect with other Jesus Calling readers each week in prayer. It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about if you didn't have access to the Bible, or even were allowed to have one. This is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing—a Bible in their own language. One missionary said, I have never seen such a thirst for the Word of God in my country. Let's meet that need. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24 as a thank you, Crew will provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of the Jesus Listens devotional. Simply text CALLING to 71326 to help today. Imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life. So text CALLING to 71326. That's C-A-L-L-I-N-G to 71326 to help now, or visit give.crew.org slash calling. Again, that's give.cru.org slash c-a-l-l-i-n-g. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only. Experience the hope of the resurrection with Jesus Calling for Easter. This book offers 50 seasonally-themed devotions from Sarah Young's New York Times bestseller, Jesus Calling. Inside, you'll find resurrection truths, hope for the new season, joyous reasons to celebrate, and full scripture verses. Get your copy to create a daily reflection of hope throughout the Easter season. Jesus Calling for Easter also makes a wonderful gift to be cherished for years to come. Did you know that Sarah Young, the author of Jesus Calling, prays for her readers each day? In that spirit, we want to extend the Jesus Calling prayer community out to you in a more personal way. Each Tuesday morning, you can dial into the Jesus Calling weekly prayer call, where the team from Jesus Calling and special guests will minister to us during a 10-minute call to reflect on that day's passage from Jesus Calling, read scripture references, and pray together for each other and our world. Prayer call times are 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Central. 6 a.m. Mountain and 5 a.m. Pacific and are for US only. For more information on the Jesus Calling weekly prayer call or to submit prayer requests, please visit jesuscalling.com/prayer-call. Again, to join us in this community of prayer every Tuesday morning, please visit jesuscalling.com/prayer-call. Alex Sealy is a passionate communicator and teacher of the Word. Born and raised in Australia, Alex served as one of the executive pastors of Planet Shakers Ministries for 17 years. In 2012, Alex, along with her husband and two children, felt a calling to move to the U.S. After making the move, she encountered difficulty being embraced as a woman in church leadership. She puzzled over how she was to be used by God when no church would hire her. The answer came as she and her husband began to welcome local musicians and artists into their home who were looking for a place to find biblical teaching and community amidst busy travel schedules and touring. This ministry to musicians eventually became The Belonging Co., which she and her husband Henry pastor.
1: Hi everyone, Uh, I'm Alex Seeley and uh, I'm an Australian, as you can tell by my accent, who uh, lives in Nashville, Tennessee with my husband and family and we pastor a church called The Belonging Company in Nashville, Tennessee and have been doing that for the last five and a half years. I am passionate about life, I love my children, I love my friends and I love to preach, teach, evangelize the Word of God because I believe it changes lives. I grew up in Australia, obviously, and uh, my parents were actually immigrants from Italy, and we were all four of us were born. In Australia, I have three siblings, and um, my parents became Christians early in the 1970s where there was a huge charismatic revival that took place and became born-again Christians. I felt the call of God in my heart at the age of 11, and I knew I would do something to help shift and change the world through the gospel. Our whole move to America was such an interesting dynamic and leadership since we were kids and my husband and I and um, we thought we would be there forever but there became this nudge in our spirit and in our heart that our season was coming to an end and we didn't know what it was going to look like like where do we go from here Uh, we were part of an incredible movement in Australia called Planet Shakers and we'd help birth that with our senior leadership and you know my husband was the worship director and I was one of the executive pastors there and we were just loving life but there was just this agitation in our spirit that there was A move on on the horizon. So we actually talked to our senior pastors and we said, we we sense it's the United States of America, but we don't know why. And they were like, well, let's put a fleece out. Why don't you apply for the green card lottery? And um, if you get it, because it's so hard to get, maybe that's God opening the door and we can go from there. And we're like, well, it's one in a 14 million chance, literally, because that's how many people apply for this thing. And um, we put our names in, and um, we didn't get it at first, and it was rejected. And I was like, okay, well, that's the closed door. And so July came around, and we did win the green card lottery. And our pastors are like, you know, that's God's open door for you to go. But we had no idea what we were going to do in America. And and I, I felt um that we had to just start clean and that God was forging a new path. We've always lived like pioneers and so we'd been part of our church for, you know, over 25 years and it was like okay maybe this is now everything we've learned we're just going to go and deposit over there my husband being a musician and worship leader just it made sense to go to Nashville because he's always working with artists and writers here anyway so we were like well let's just land in Nashville and see if it's a good fit if not the Lord will show us when I began my first job, I was part of my own youth group that I'd grown up in since I was 11 years of age. And um, our youth pastor and our senior pastor was very celebratory of women in ministry. And so the dean of the Bible college was a woman, and then um, senior pastor's wife would preach, and then the youth pastor's wife would preach. And so when I got employed to be a pastor, it was so encouraged for me to preach and teach. And so, for me, being in Australia by the age of, you know, 21 onwards, there was no issue for me being a woman in ministry. It was when I came to Nashville um, that I went to kind of apply for jobs, and all I've ever known is to be in ministry as a pastor, as a teacher, uh, as a leader. And um, I went to 21 churches, not to apply for a job, but just visited and was just dumbfounded by the lack of women presence in leadership. No women were being celebrated. And then I worked out very quickly that in the South, it was quite frowned upon for women to be pastors or teachers and leaders. So for me, it was just this crazy notion of why? You know, these two scriptures that are so contextual to their time, because if we're going to go that bent on, you know, using that as the letter of the law, then, you know, women shouldn't cut their hair and, and women shouldn't wear jewelry and makeup. And I don't think Paul was imagining that he was writing to the Church of 2012 and 1985. He was writing to the Church of Corinth and so it's definitely quite a man-made interpretation um, that I found so disheartening because just like a healthy family needs both parents to bring balance to home life, I think a church so needs the balance of male and female attributes of, of the Father, heart of God. And so, for me, um, I feel like we've seen such a shift in Nashville. In fact, churches that never had women on their pulpits are now having women on their pulpits because of what we've been able to do through the belonging. And so, I'm excited, and I believe the future is changing, going to probably, but I think it's such a tragedy that uh, image bearers that are women are not being allowed to share their their perspective because God has female attributes just as much as male because he made us in his image. It was about three or four months into being here and really not knowing what we were doing that we began to see the need of musicians, artists and writers that were church homeless because they would tour on the Sunday and weren't able to be in church and being fed in church and being shepherded. And as a shepherd myself, I've been a pastor for so many years, I saw this need of, oh my goodness, there's so many people that need shepherding but need a church. And also, there are so many people that are hungry for an encounter with God, but they're being given a religious experience but not this amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And so God spoke to me through Scripture and um, gave me mandate that I really felt was from the Lord. And so then we just proceeded to invite people into our home with no intention of it being a church, more of a, a ministry to just shepherd people, and the rest is history. I mean, the place just grew and grew and grew and We invited the first five people, but since that day, people have been inviting everyone else because it's a place where people have encountered Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And so The Belonging Co. was birthed about a year later, and uh, the rest is history. Recently, a a pastor said to me, you know what's unique about The Belonging? That's different to other churches. I mean, we all believe the same Jesus. We all read the Word. We all love worship. And... um, We all kind of do similar things, but what we've noticed about you at The Belonging is that you guys always make it central to presence, whereas America has really made it central to the Word. And if you look at Scripture, right back from the Old Testament, God so wanted to be with His people that he made it that the tabernacle and the presence of God centered in the middle of the camp and everybody was centered around the presence of God. And, and and you've got to understand, I am a word girl through and through, and what you'll get at The Belonging is the word of God because I believe it is the thing that transforms lives and minds. But what makes it special and unique is the tangible encounter encounter with Holy Spirit that is through presence. We gave room and space for people to actually encounter and be prayed for and ministered to. Because what I'm finding in these days and where church has become just a religious experience is we've got it so curated and programmed that it's, well, let's just do three songs here and then the person will get up and then we'll take up the offering and then we'll preach the Word of God and then everyone will go home. and. That's that. And it's like, no, there's so much more to it than that. And so we really just took people on a journey of what we love to engage with, and that's the presence of God. And so that's really where we took people is have an encounter where Jesus changes your life, and then people take note of the change that's happening. I can't do this life unless I am engaged, not in a rhetoric of oh i've got to sit down and read my little devotion write out a little thought and then i'm on my way and then i forget about him until the next day or the third day when i go back to my jesus calling i love the title because it's it's jesus calling he's always calling us into intimacy with him he is always knocking on the door of our heart my husband laughs cuz obviously now he knows what it is but if i'm talking to myself in the bathroom or the bedroom He's learnt now, I'm not actually talking to myself, I'm engaging with the Father. I'm in communion. I'm asking Him questions and then I'm waiting for those senses and promptings and then I'm reading and then I'm worshipping. You know, there are days that it is hard and there are days, I mean, even yesterday, I wanted to give up. because it was a tough day. And and I, I said to the Lord, I don't know if I can do this. Like, it's really overwhelming at times to lead a church of three and a half thousand people. It's really overwhelming. I got in his presence and I just released the yoke of heaviness and I just went, I can do this. And then I've had a complete disposition change, you know, like, yes, I can
2: do this. So it's good.
1: I wrote um, this book called The Opposite Life last year and released it just this August. And really, it was just a compilation of what I have learned over the years, but especially during our time of Nashville, of really what we've taught our church. This is what I think sets us apart in a way that I've just made sure to follow Jesus as the greatest example. And if you look through Scripture and you look through the Gospels, Jesus came and when he gave his first message for the Beatitudes, everything was different to what they had heard for thousands of years. And so here's Jesus going, you know, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom, and then blessed are the meek. And all of this is like opposite. It was like for those that normally we see for the proud and for the courageous and for that, but yet everything now looks opposite. And Jesus is saying, you know, what credit is it to you when you love those that love you? I want you to love your enemy. I actually now want you to do good to those who hurt you. I want you to give gifts to those who steal from you. I want you to turn the other cheek when those who strike you. And so he brought this whole opposite world order called the kingdom of God, and it brings blessing. And this is where I think the world is confused because People who call themselves Christians are not acting in an opposite spirit. They're acting like everybody else who has a sinful nature. And so the world's looking at the Christian going, so what's different about you? And I just wanted to write this book that basically shows that if we do things opposite to what our flesh and natural disposition wants to do, watch how God will change your life and turn things upside down. And so that's really the essence of the whole book. I think it all goes back to that first love. Some people haven't even had that first love. So they're trying to find first love, but they haven't had it. And I think this is where you've got to see yourself as a wretched sinner saved by grace and that without Him, you're destined for hell. And That should make you go, oh my gosh, like he loved me even when I did this, that, and the other. And I can't get past that. Uh, You know, I've been a Christian for 35 years and I can't get past the fact that he loved me while I was a broken mess. And I never want to take that for granted. And so
2: I live from that space. You can find Alex Seeley's book, The Opposite Life, wherever books are sold. Next time on The Jesus Calling Podcast, we speak with Emmy Award-winning journalist and author Lindsay Davis. In her work as an ABC News correspondent, Lindsay's faith in God has been key to her compassionate style of reporting and her desire to spread a message of hope to a world where the news isn't always good. I think when things are, are going well, like you might be like, oh, thank you, God, and I know you're there, and, but, but it's not like you're down on your knees necessarily like really pleading and asking. And so I think that, that sometimes it's those most you know dire moments that really, that figuratively bring you to your knees and literally bring you to your knees that really you know, strengthen that, that relationship with God. Do you love hearing these stories of faith weekly from people like you whose lives have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling Stories of Faith podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review so that we can reach others with these inspirational stories. And you can also see these interviews on video as part of our original web series, with a new interview premiering every other Sunday on Facebook Live. Find previously broadcast interviews on our YouTube channel on IGTV or on JesusCalling dot com slash video.